The Victory Formation Podcast is brought to you by Pilgrim Roasters. Pilgrim Roasters is a roastery and coffee shop located at 4120 Main Street in Maniunk, Philadelphia. Pilgrim Roasters specializes in unique coffees from all over the world, brought specially to you in-store and online at www.pilgrimroasters.com. Take 10% off your first order with Pilgrim Roasters when typing in promo code GOODSOUP10 at checkout and figure out what all the buzz is about. You know something? No soup for you! Come back one year! We both have so much in common. We both love soup. Soup's not a meal! You were supposed to buy me a meal! I'm not stopping you from eating. Go ahead and eat. Get anything you want. That's a lot of soup. That's a lot of soup. It looks delicious. What is up, everybody? It is Tuesday, March 1st. March is here. Let's get it started with some college basketball, Finney. What a wild Saturday. The last two days of fucking February, and we already have. March Madness is right on the doorstep. It already was. It, it was madness. I and mean, that's the only way to describe it. I mean, seven of the top 10 teams lost. And Baylor is technically a top 10 team that won. They beat another top 10 team, Kansas. We'll get to all of that, but let's just run down the gambit real quick. Number 23, St. Mary's upset number one, Gonzaga at home in what always looks like, you know, a middle school gym out there in the West Coast Conference, keeping it real. Uh, Colorado upset number two, Arizona at home, Tennessee. Upset number three, Auburn, going against our pick at home. Michigan State toppled Purdue on a last-second three. Purdue was was ranked number four. Baylor upset number five, Kansas, although they were favored, so it really wasn't an upset, but they're ranked 10, Kansas ranked five. Number 18, Arkansas upset number six, Kentucky. At home, again, another team that was favored, so it wasn't really an upset. And then the biggest shocker, TCU beat Texas Tech. Seven top 10 teams lost. I I can't remember a Saturday like this in recent memory, brother. Uh, Shows the advantage of home court advantage in college basketball. It's crazy. Yeah. You can just, like, we're talking about teams that are, legit number one seeds in in the playoff in the tournament when it comes up here in, in a few weeks losing the like at right at the end of the tournament right at the end of the season I'm, i mean for it all to happen on the same day someone needs to crunch the odds of seven top 10 teams losing like it doesn't make sense make it make sense eric i mean it's college basketball I will make sense of it in that St. Mary's, Tennessee, Baylor, Arkansas, arguably TCU, Michigan State for sure, will all be tournament teams. So you can make a case that Colorado's really the only team that has no chance at making the tournament at this point. All of them were at home. But at the end of the day, that's still a ton of upsets. I mean, we'll hit on a couple of them that aren't in the betting corner. I I watched the Arkansas-Kentucky game. 
I came away from that game, like still impressed with Kentucky. I know I'm all over them, but they got down early. They got two of their best players back from injury. This game definitely looked a little rusty and out of sync. Still fought, lost by two at Arkansas. That's not a pushover game. Musselman has Arkansas playing really well. They're really good. Fundamentally sound team, play tenacious defense. Um, and, they, and, and they had a chance. Kentucky was oh, like yeah. leading in the, in the last few minutes too. Like that game was really back and forth at the end. Yeah, it was a very, very close game. Kentucky definitely had a chance. It, it was a really good game. Um, TCU beating Texas Tech for me is a head scratcher. I don't know how Texas Tech let TCU score 69 points in that game. That's a concerning loss for Texas Tech. Um, yeah, they were coming off that win against Can- uh, Texas that was pretty big, and they're going to head into this tournament, but they're going to have to compete with Baylor, who just beat Kansas. They're going to have to compete against Kansas, Texas. Big 12's looking pretty good. They might have to draw TCU again if they can get out of the first round. And then St. Mary's beating Gonzaga. It it feels like this happens every year. This is a game I wanted to pick uh, for the betting corner, and I got scared to do because I haven't watched either of these teams play all season, truthfully. Um, This feels like a game Gonzaga always loses. St. Mary's gets them at home. St. Mary's does their normal thing where they just have everyone on their team is foreign and can shoot threes. They got guys from Australia and New Zealand and all over that area. Um, it was a great weekend altogether. I, I really, I'm really kind of amazed by it. I mean, it, spin zone. Spin zone with me real quick, Eric. If you were one of these top teams, yeah, you don't want to lose on the craziest Saturday of college basketball in, in maybe in my lifetime, but as a, as a fan of, of these teams, like I kind of like it, like get that loss out of the way, know what it feels like, know what it feels like to have fans rush the court and put that shit behind you. Use it as motivation. We're not losing for another month. We're cutting down the nets. Yeah. We're going to go on a tear. That's what I'm saying to myself. If I'm trying to hype up these teams and pick them in the future, like those boys got to be at it. They got to right after that loss, all these teams, head down in your laps. The captain needs to stand up and say, we're not losing again till it's with that national championship trophy. I kind of like these teams a little bit more. It might give them a bit of an edge going forward. I'll say yes to that for all these teams, except Auburn and uh, Purdue for different reasons for Auburn. They can't beat anybody. That's good. And I'm out on Auburn now. I will not bet on them the rest of the season. In fact, I'm probably going to bet against them the entirety of the season. They are not it. They're way too inconsistent. Um, I, I just, I'm out on Auburn completely after watching that game. And the other team is Purdue because Michigan State was reeling. I mean, we talked about it. One and four in their last five. Tournament chances, like severely at odds if they lost this game, lost out on the season and made an early exit from the Big Ten tournament. Purdue needed this. They needed to prove that they can beat teams of high caliber on the road, and they didn't do it. And I'm concerned about Purdue personally. But think about Michigan State, though. They, they were a hungry dog. Like They are a very good team. Everything, and, yeah. everything you just said against them could also be spinned for them because they needed it. And I yeah. mean, Purdue has to come through, like no doubt. But, um, you know, I mean, I, I don't fault them as much as I think you do. I will say this. I love Michigan State now. Mm-hmm. I'm going to ride them in the tournament, man. Yeah. They are scrappy. Izzo is scrappy. Like I said, if this was a good Izzo team, they should win this game. And then they won this game. Um, they're deep. 
They got guys who like statistically didn't shoot well all season who shot well in this game, which I think is huge guys getting confidence in big game situations, a win like this on a de facto buzzer beater. I mean, there were 0.4 left, so it wasn't necessarily a buzzer beater, but that's a huge confidence boost going into the big 10 tournament, going into the NCAA tournament. They're no better than a six, a five seed. I mean, five is their ceiling. If they win the big 10, like maybe they could get a four, but if they go out early in the big 10 tournament, they could be a seven or an eight prime for those upsets. Um, I really, really like Michigan state now. Yeah. Um, trying to look at these other games. I mean, it was just crazy. I, I, like what, what do you, how does that Saturday shift how you thought about the tournament or does it shift it at all? No, I think it reinforces my opinion is this is going to be a wild tournament. I, there's not one team that has separated themselves above the rest. I mean, you could say Duke, but the ACC is terrible. So yep. I don't know how battle-tested Duke's going to be. I still don't really know how good they are. And yeah, they're playing for Coach K in his final year, but who the fuck cares? Um, I don't know. I think it's it's solidified the opinion that everyone has where like teams 1 through 12 are kind of all on the same playing field. And even some teams outside the top 12, 15 could make a run. I'm really excited for this tournament, man. I'm excited for conference tournament too. I, I think this is just going to be an unbelievable March. How many perfect brackets are there going to be after the first weekend? None. I, I, I really think this year is going to be crazy. I, I think uh, you could see, you know, a 14 over a three type of game, a 13 over a four. I love that 11 over the, uh, I think it's 11 over four. I like the 11 over four line a lot this year. Um, maybe it's 11 over five. It's 11 five. Yeah, I think it's 12 four, right? It's 12 four. Yeah. I, I think this could be a crazy year and trying to pick like which one of those small schools, like a Winthrop, I don't even know if they're good this year. They're just like a tournament mainstay at a 12 seed or like a VCU or any of these, like a Western Kentucky some of these smaller schools that are going to get in where no one's going to give them a chance, which ones do you pick, which ones actually win, et cetera, et cetera, is always really fun and unpredictable. But outside of that, usually the top teams are pretty established. I don't know this year. Like when we get to the sweet 16, I think any one of the teams that make the elite eight, the sweet 16 would have a chance at winning the title this season. (laughs) Oh my God, this is going to be crazy. But on that note, Eric, remember the Good Soup Bracket Challenge? Yeah. People can join? Yes. So Bracket Challenge isn't live yet. We can't set it up until the tournament field is announced. But once that is announced, I, we will share on all social media platforms. Follow us, good underscore soup underscore blog at Instagram, um, www.goodsoup.blog on our website. It'll be hot linked and everything will be good to go. You do not have to be a fan of the victory formation podcast necessarily. You could be a fan of the good soup podcast as well. You could just be a fan of bracket challenges. We'll push it. We'll put it out. We're going to have a merch prize for the first place team. You'll get our very first, very first merch drop, uh, special for you. And it's going to be fun. The fun thing about the bracket challenge is we probably aren't going to win. It's probably going to be someone random. So we'll have fun with it. We'll make sure we tell everyone about it and make sure you do join. I'm so excited, dude. I'm so excited. This, oh my gosh. So building off tournament talk, you picked Providence this weekend. They won again. 
Mm-hmm. What do you make of Providence? Do you like their chances in the tournament? Ken Palm has them as the luckiest team, as in wins by luck at the end of games. It's a metric he measures in the last five minute wins, you know, buzzer beater wins, end of game situations. There's a lot of advanced stats that say Providence is closer to the 30th best team in the country than the first. Um, they're 23 and four. What do you think their chances are? I don't like them at all. I think okay. I, I liked them in the spot over the weekend. I only went one for two. Uh, we'll, we'll get to that. It was tough. But, um, yeah, I mean, I don't really – Big East teams, uh, I mean, I guess Nova, but I'm, I'm kind of biased towards Nova. But, honestly, like Providence, I, I don't really see a team out of the Big, out of the big East. Like, I mean, they could make it to the Sweet 16, maybe the Elite Eight, but I, I don't think the winner's coming out of there. Um, as for the, the Big East tournament – I think it's going to be just like every other conference tournament. Honestly, it's a crapshoot. It's going to be fun taking some futures on those teams and all these co- college tournaments, conference tournaments. But yeah, I, I don't, you know, it's, it's Providence doesn't really jump off the page at me. Um, I don't have a lot of the stats in front of me. I'm looking at Kempom right now. They're 39th on Kempom. I like, know. All the advanced metrics are off Providence. And a lot of it is because they play in the Big East and they haven't played anyone because it's arguably the worst conference in the country across all conferences. Um, Villanova's a joke. Fuck that school. Uh, I will say, like, I like UConn. If I had to make a futures bet on the Big East tournament, I'll take UConn the way they're playing right now. I really like how scrappy they are. I really like Hurley as the coach. He's got just this fiery personality. Get the boys going. Yep. I can't rule out Providence just because they have won a lot of close games. And yes, the advanced metrics hate them, but that's not the be all end all. Sometimes we get carried away and me especially you know, you know how I feel about advanced metrics. I think they're really reliable, but watch Providence play. They do have this swagger, this confidence, this intensity that I think could carry over into the tournament. But you're right. I'm not taking them to the Final Four and a title. I, I think at best they're an Elite Eight team, and at worst they could be out in the second round. But we'll keep yeah. an eye on them. Uh, I mean, but- you do have to know how to win. Learning how to win those close games, that's something you can't teach. you got to get that through experience. Yeah, So definitely. Um, it, it's just – something to keep in mind, but on the flip side of the coin, are they due to start losing some close games too? Like, are they going to regress back to the mean there with, with these close wins? The biggest is so bad that I doubt it, but once they get into the NCAA tournament, that's when they start playing the big boys. And I think that's when there's a chance they slip up. Yeah. Yeah. But something as we, as we transition away from Providence, you mentioned Villanova. I I know you hate them, but there's something to say about when there's all this craziness in college basketball right now, how much value do you put on coaching? How much tons. value do you put on yeah, tons and, 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 and Jay Wright's Jay an Wright, awesome coach. I'm not he's legit. Yeah. I'm not hating on Nova cause they're not good. I'm hating on Nova cause I, I hate Villanova. I hate their basketball team cause I went to temple and I am a temple diehard fan and an alumni and they beat us every year and they act like they're from Philly, but Attention, all Villanova fans, you are not a Philly school. No one who lives in Philadelphia, no one who actually went to college in Philadelphia considers you a Philly school, so you can fuck right off. 
<laughs> Bro, I'm wearing a Nova shirt right now. You went to Temple, you sacrilegious swine. Bro, Keep my, my cousin went there, dude. It's a 2018 championship t-shirt. Got it for me. Damn, that's, that's a tough scene for you, dog. Bro, just relax, man. They're in the city six. Their main line, they're not in the city, though. Like, it's one thing if they didn't try and hold their championship parade in our city, but this is they a They play at Wells city. Fargo, dude. They play they, at Wells Fargo. Cool. They have the most money because they're rich boys. Like, I don't know. They they can pay to play at Wells Fargo. That's dope. Temple doesn't need to do that. The Leah Coors Center is dope, and we don't have the money to pay to play in Wells Fargo. Bro, bro, but you know what? Okay. You know what they won't do? Go play at the Palestra with the other real big five schools you know i know nova is a big five school but they're again they're not a city school that's the point i'm trying to make they're a sub suburb school which is fine i'm not that's hating fine. don't act like you're from philly because you're not all right bro agree to disagree man disagree set free it'll be okay <laughs> building off that nova hate speech um who do you like going in a conference tournament week anybody you like to win a conference anybody you like going into the tournament etc cetera, etc cetera? Baylor impressed me. Okay. Um, I still like Arizona. I do too. I do too. <sighs> Fuck, dude. I still like Kentucky. Yeah. Oh, it's now, like all the teams have fucking lost, dude. It's I'll say tight. this. I think the SEC is the best conference. I mean – uh, we'll get into it in there. the betting corner. I love Alabama. I, I think Alabama is going to be one of those teams that's around a five or a six who makes a serious run. I really like them. I like Kentucky to win that conference tournament, but I think that's the most up in the air. Anyone can win that conference tournament right now, man. Yeah, I mean, Bama, Arkansas. Kentucky, I mean, Auburn, Tennessee. <sighs> Fuck, bro. These games are going to be too good. I'm going to have to get all the TVs out. Yeah. Um, Big 10, Big 10, who you got? I like Michigan State. I just do. Oh, I don't really wow. have evidence and statistics for you to back that up. I like Michigan State in that tournament. I think this win was huge for them. If it's not Michigan State, then I don't really know because, like, I don't really believe in Purdue. They do have a lot of talent. Again, don't really believe in them as a team. Iowa could be a little frisky, maybe. Ohio State is kind of falling off. I don't really know what to think about them. I, I think Penn State could get a, win, a singular win in the tournament and maybe make some noise, maybe pull an upset. Uh, Michigan's done. They're dead. Uh, I, mean, I think putting a, like a flyer out on Ohio State and Wisconsin out of the Big Ten, I don't know what the odds are, but... That's what I was getting to. I like Wisconsin. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I do. I, just, I, I like the way they play. I would take Wisconsin or Michigan State uh in that tournament and keep an eye out for Rutgers to pull an upset they're a really scrappy yep. team yep I I think if, if you could get good lines on the conference tournament don't take a favorite in really any of the conferences no T take someone that's like like three to like five that's where I think the winners are going to come from and again I love Kentucky for a national championship I think they're built for the NCAA tournament even if they lose in the conference tournament that will not change my opinion because again, they're just getting two of their best players back. It is going to take time. And what we said about Kentucky not being deep now they are deep because two guys in, I forget the, the, their two guards that are coming back 
the two guys who are playing in their stead get to move to the bench now. So those guys had three weeks plus of 35 minutes a game. Now they can come off the bench and be comfortable when they're in. Yep. That was important. We touched on that last week. So it was, it was good to see them getting in the rotation. Yeah. Um, last thing of college basketball, just want to do a state of temple basketball wrap up. We had mentioned on Thursday's pod that they lost to Memphis while we were recording major bummer, but they beat Tulane uh, on Sunday. It was a really good win. They fought really hard. You might look at temple and say, eh, 16 and 10, not that good, whatever. They don't have a single junior who gets minutes on their roster. Everyone who gets minutes for the most part is a freshman or sophomore. I mean, Jake Forrester gets some minutes, but he's a junior as well. This is a really young team. And I watched them play at the beginning of the year and I watched them play Sunday and they have come such a long way. Damian Dunn is a problem. Nick Jordan is a problem. Ty Strickland is a leader. He's out there running offense and defense. He's a redshirt sophomore. They have guys that can contribute. Zach Hicks can hit some shots. He's a true freshman. They're a really good team. Good being the emphasis, not great. They're a really solid team. Aaron McKee's doing a great job. The staff's doing a great job. For the first time in like five years, I am really excited for Temple next year. I, these guys have all come into their own towards the end of this year, and that Tulane game was scrappy, and they hung around. The one thing they really struggled with was Tulane ran press defense full court the entire game. And the reason they struggled is because they got freshmen and sophomores out there who aren't fully confident in their abilities, but giving those guys another year to grow within the system and the program. I really like Temple moving forward, and I think we could supplant you know, Drexel and Penn and God knows LaSalle as the top team in Philadelphia um, next season. I'm really, I'm really excited for it. Uh, we're talking about Tulane, bro. Tulane's <laughs> not bad. 12 and 13. Like they're not a world beater, but like for Temple the last five years, that's a game on Sunday that they would have lost. Team playing physical, hitting a lot of tough what? threes. We would have lost that game? Yeah. We have not been good, especially in late game situations or games where, you know, our, our leading scorer has been Damian Dunn. He did not have a good first half, and they really hung around and, and made noise. I, I forget the guy's first name. His last name's Miller, number four on Temple. He hit some uh, Hasir Miller. He had some crazy shots. Uh, he's a dude from North Philly, went to Newman Garetti. Great player coming in. One of our best, you know, recruits per se. He did awesome. And, and there's guys that can score. And I'm so used to watching Temple do this rotational ball. No one can hit a shot. No one can hit a mid-range. But if they get open looks, they can score. I, I'm enthusiastic about the future, man. And who knows? Like, the American Conference is not good. We've played Houston pretty tough. If we win out, we'll probably be the three seed in the tournament. Temple, in theory, could win the American tournament. I'm not saying they're going to, but they could. Or if they at least play well and build momentum into next year, they're going to get an NIT berth no matter what. I don't know. I think, uh, I think I'm excited. You want to hear Temple's odds to win the American? Yeah, what are they? Um. So on FanDuel, <laughs> take this, Eric, please, plus 49,000. 
yeah. On on uh, on points bet, they're not the worst. They're plus five thousand. East Carolina's plus fifteen thousand, and then Temple's the worst behind Tulsa. Tulsa's plus twelve thousand five hundred. So but two lanes ahead of us. Two lanes plus three thousand. Yeah. Yeah, again, they had a team of seniors and juniors. We have a team of freshmen and sophomores. Like, no one that gets major minutes on our team is older than a sophomore. So, I'm not saying this is the year, but this is really exciting. They have guys that can compete at a high level as freshmen and sophomores moving forward. None of these guys are going to leave school early. We're going to have a really good team by the time they're juniors and seniors. Yeah, just you just got to pray they don't fucking transfer that'd be terrible i don't think they're going to transfer all of these guys are camden philly surrounding areas i think they're at temple to play with aaron mckee he brought in some nba guys developmentally on the staff as assistant coaches like they have a chance to to further their games and even from game one of the season till now they've improved tenfold as individuals and as a team clip it save this for later eric it's going to come back and you're going to be praised two, two years when temples an eight seed in the tournament. Fifth winning his program in the history of college basketball. Bad ass broad street bullies, baby. Yeah. Philly ball, bully ball. They said it 1 million times on that broadcast. Uh, that, that was a cringe broadcast. The color commentator was a former Tulane coach and it was like unwatchably bad. Was it at Tulane? It was at Temple. No one was there at spring break. Like literally 10 people in the arena. Hey, throwback to, I think it was sophomore year. So like 2017, 2018, winter break, Temple's playing Houston at home. Yeah. Houston's like the 10th ranked team in the country, undefeated. Me and my buddy James, the guy that was on for the Lakers talk, we we were sitting second level watching the game. Temple fucking wins. Hit, hit like a nice bet on it. Um, it was pretty fire. I was at that game too. We stormed the court. Yeah, and James was like, no, no, don't storm the court. No, there was like 15 people in the stands. It was, it was bad. I was there too, dog. I remember. That was, a, that was a fun one. I used to go to almost all the games because I lived across from the Leacore Center. Um, but yeah, not that anyone asked for a state of Temple basketball summary, but here we are. We got it. Uh, moving off of college basketball, into pro basketball the Sixers are insane and I I, I you knew I was going to lead with it you knew I was going to talk about it James Harden is the first player in NBA history with 25 plus points and 10 plus assists in each of his teams if each of his first two games with a new team he's already ahead of Simmons on the all-time three-point list for Sixers history all he <laughs> needed was uh six for that the pick and roll is absolutely unstoppable I mean Friday night was great. Harden was still figuring some stuff out. Saturday against the Knicks, they ran the pick and roll to death. And yeah, I know the Knicks suck. They, they really suck. And Tom Thibodeau should lose his job. But And Beat shot 27 free throws. They kept running pick and roll, and Harden kept hitting Embiid downhill, and it was unstoppable. Embiid went 23 of 27 from the free throw line. It was crazy. I don't have, Did you watch either of the games this weekend? I watched some highlights. It was oh, scary. So scary. Friday against Minnesota, Harden goes for 27, 12, and 8. He had an offensive rating of 167. That was the best on the team. Um, the real thing I wanted to bring up 
is over these last two games, Tyrese Maxey, is he already better than Ben Simmons ever was? I mean, like I said, Friday night, he had 28 points. He was plus 25 and plus and plus minus. His box plus minus was 13. He had an offensive rating of 149 that only trailed Harden. And he had a usage rate of 24.5, which was higher than Harden, which is what I talked about. Like, if Maxi can get the ball and still initiate the offense and Harden can play off of that, they'll be really successful. And then on Sunday, we all know, and B goes for 37. He gets 23 from the free throw line. Harden goes for 29, 16, and 10. He got a triple-double. He had five steals. He was all over the place. He had a box plus minus of 18.6, offensive rating of 152 that led the team. And a defensive rating at 97 of 97, which also led the team. Like Harden looks like he might be buying in. But Tyrese Maxey, again, offensive rating of 133, second highest on the team. He scored 21 points. He had seven rebounds. He looks really fucking good. Like really fucking good. And if he's playing like this and Harden and Embiid can do their thing, we could win the East, man. We could do it. God. We could do it. Print the fucking t-shirts. Yeah, I guess you should already put up the banner, man, with, with, with that speech. <laughs> you can roast me all you want, but like you couldn't expect me not to do this after that weekend. It's exciting, man. I'm not even a Sixers fan, and I was literally today sitting at my fucking computer thinking, God damn it, this team has me rooting for them. I don't want to, but I fucking am. Dude, crazy. my roommates, uh, I've said this a million times, he's a Knicks fan. We're watching the game, and it's a two-point game heading into the fourth quarter. And, you know, he's like, I don't know, what do you think? I'm like, dude last five minutes, the Knicks are not going to be able to score. This game's over. I'm not worried about it. And he was like laughing at me and we get to the last five minutes and the Knicks basically they score two points and the Sixers go on a tear. Now, a lot of that's because Mitchell Robinson and the other big man they were playing, whose name I don't care to learn, uh, fouled out and they had Julius Randall on Embiid, which is a horrible, horrible decision. I will say RJ Barrett played pretty well. He's been great lately, but The Sixers are going to beat teams like the Knicks regularly now with Harden. The question becomes, when they start playing better teams, how's that going to go for them? And I'm really interested to see. Do do you even remember a game from the Simmons era at this point? It's like, how did we fucking have that guy on our team who was so bad? Now, we don't talk about him anymore. He will not. I will never mention him by name again going forward on this podcast. He can he can suck a fat one. Um. I will say I'll be there on Wednesday night. They take on the Knicks again. I'm going with my mom. Is he who shall not be named playing? They're playing the Knicks. Yeah. It, is he in the lineup? Then, uh, um, he who should not be named on the Nets. <sighs> Wild. <laughs> All right. Well, I better see some, some footage of you booing the hell out of him. All right. We're, we're going to get a real test on how good the Sixers are the next few games. Wednesday, they play the Knicks at home, whatever. Then they got Cleveland at home on Friday, at Miami on Saturday, Chicago at home the following Monday, and then the Ben Simmons, I said his name, damn it, I already broke that rule. The heel should not be named return game Thursday, March 10th. So that stretch, they go Cleveland, Miami, Chicago, Brooklyn. That's four four of the top eight teams 
It's a gauntlet. The, the other top two of two teams in the East besides them, Chicago and Miami. So if they can come out clean in that stretch, the sky's the limit. It's going to be a gauntlet. Let's, let's, you'll have to check back in. Hell yeah. Um, that's enough Sixers talk for one pod. I'm just very excited. Moving on to your favorite athlete, LeBron James. Uh, the media circus with LA continues. And the sad thing is the play isn't helping them at all either. I, I watched them play the Clippers on Friday. They were winning that game. They were in control of it. They ended up losing by three. Russ sits pretty much the entire fourth quarter. They're leaning on Talon Horton Tucker for buckets. Like, come on. They look terrible. And then on Sunday, they lose by 23. I'm trying to remember who they played. Give me one second. Uh, They played New Orleans. They lost 123 to 95. So they lost by 28 points. Brutal. Um, Just brutal. And fans were booing LeBron. They were booing the team. And the Lakers were like yelling at the fans from the bench. It was bad. And now LeBron's saying all this stuff like, oh, I never said that I didn't want to be in LA. I want to be in LA. And the 24-hour LeBron media circus that he creates is exhausting at times it's definitely exhausting right now there's a real chance they don't make the playoffs i don't know if the lakers are going to win a championship in the next 15 years hot take monday man hot take tuesday like it's bad it's really bad man it's really bad and I don't know how you fix it. I don't think they can fix it this year. I don't even know how they can fix it next year. Um, I just wanted to bring it up because they looked really bad this weekend. And I saw a lot of buzz going into this week. Like, can the Lakers turn it around? Like, there's still a title contender. I think that's all dead. I, I'm, I'm over it, man. I'm, I'm over the whole thing. I'm just annoyed. That, that's really the best way to say it. Yeah, it's... I'm ready to just forget about the Lakers, to be honest. Let's do it. Let's just forget. From this point forward, we vow to forget about the Lakers. I bet that lasts one podcast. (laughs) Until the Lakers win like three out of five and LeBron averages 35 points. And Stephen A goes on first take like, is Russell Westbrook the reason the Lakers are so successful? No, and God is. Nope. Not interested. No. Uh, I will say, look ahead to the betting corner. I picked the Hawks this weekend. They did come through. They looked really good against the Raptors. I'm just saying this now. Look out for the Hawks. They're about to go on a tear. Trey Young had 41. Collins is still hurt. Whatever. Clint Capella literally cannot play worse than he did in the first half of the season. And look for the Hawks to make a little bit of a run here like they did last year. I hope, man. Trey Young's electric. I've, the talent's crazy in the league. I mean, it's going to be fun. And, and like we said, the East is – I mean, I know you're high on the Sixers, but the East is wide still pretty, pretty wide open. So. And, again, if you, you tell me to, like, guarantee the Sixers are going to win the East, I won't do that. Like, I think they actually have a shot, which is why I'm so excited. But, like, Milwaukee's still the favorite, in my opinion. Miami's a really tough team, although I think the Sixers have an edge against them. Cleveland, I really like. I think they're a really good team. And Chicago just keeps doing it with DeMar. So, I, you know, there, there's a lot of teams at the top of the East that can compete and compete at a high level. So, who knows? 
I'm ready. Say last, less, dude. Last bit of NBA. Did you see that John Moran 360 layup? It's just that guy's our age, man. He is a superhuman. <laughs> like, he did that not for show. He did that for, like, utility purposes to get an open layup. And then DeMar DeRozan's just standing under the basket. He puts his head down. He looks up at another Bulls player and then just like shrugs his shoulders. Like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Like completely demoralized. John Morant is so much fun to watch. It's not that he's really, really good, which he is. He's one of the best players in the league, but the way that he plays is so unique and electric and explosive. I love watching that team. I love Desmond Bain. I just, I love everything about him, man. Look out next few years, man. They're going to be a contender, and I can't wait. Hell yeah. Well, uh, I think that's a perfect opportunity to transition into Finney's betting corner. We're going to recap our weekends and our predictions. Why don't you kick things off here, Finney? Nah, Eric, why don't I tell me how your weekend went? Oh, yeah? <laughs> you know, you don't want to start? All right. I'll start. I went 3-1, and one, my only loss being Oregon, losing by... Uh, a couple points to USC really close game. I think that ended up being like a one point loss. I had the Hawks. They won over Toronto in big fashion, Michigan state upset Purdue and Alabama trounced South Carolina. I felt really good about my weekend going in and uh, I feel really good about it coming out three and ones, nothing to scoff at really wanted that four and oh, Oregon was really close. Oregon actually ended up being favored in that game. So they were four point favorites over USC. That was not an upset as I predicted. Um, USC actually upset Oregon in that case, if you want to look at it that way, but you know, three and one, nothing to scoff at pretty good. It was definitely solid. It was good to have after my three and O weekend last weekend for you to have a good three and one. That was, that was awesome. Uh, look at mine. Uh, it was a rough weekend for us guys. I mean, one and two definitely don't want to go below 500. Definitely don't. Um, recapping my games. Let's start with the winner. Providence won by 21 points over Creighton. I mean, that was wire to wire at W. So um, good for you guys. If you played it, um, Providence was minus four and a half. So definitely covered that. Um, up by nine in the first half, pulled away and outscored him by 12 in the second. Uh, just got outclassed. Good good for Providence. Um, looking at K Kansas versus Baylor, you know, Kansas lost by 10. It fucking played better than him in the first half, like, but they, they, they just couldn't finish it. Baylor went on a little run there at the end. Um, it was close in the second half. They just They just couldn't close out the deal. They were on the road, just like my other loser. Um, looking at Auburn and Tennessee, I mean, these are just tough, tough L's guys. And, you know, really home teams in college basketball, it matters. You can't underestimate that. Um, you know, we're going to come back better this weekend, no doubt. If you've been tailing me, you're up four and two on the year so far, probably up one point five 1.9 units um it's not bad it'll be better um I, I tried to get too cute with it eric um yeah just try to get too cute just gotta crunch the numbers more just gotta 
don't get cute with it, man. It I mean, sucks. I just took gut picks and I went three and one. Maybe there's a lesson learned in there, man. And it's like, it's like I bet on Auburn, bet against Auburn the week before. And then I'm like trying to pick a spot on them against Tennessee. It's like, fuck, man. Like road fate, like mm. it, road dog, too. Like, uh, it's, it's tough, man. It's tough. You know, you went 3 0 last weekend. So we'll say on Finney's betting quarter right now, you're still four and two. That's pretty good, man. I mean, That's I'm pretty I, damn good. You got to learn from your mistakes, though. I mean, I'm not down on myself. I'm just worried about the next game, but you got to be honest when you have losers. Uh, I'll be honest with you Accountability. No excuses. I was a little sleep deprived last week. Uh, Is what it is, but um, I'll I'll make sure I get at least seven and a half hours um, on Wednesday, Thursday next week. So we're going to come back with winners. I I guarantee at least a two and one weekend, if not three and oh. Love That's it. how confident I am. Conference I love tournament. my preparation this week. Um, conference we're tournament gonna get start after. next weekend for the small conferences, right? Yeah, I'm looking at the schedule right now. Um, let's see what we got. Uh, Saturday, March 5th. Uh, we, we, we're we're going to have some good games. Duke, Carolina. Coach K's farewell suck off at Duke. No, March 5th, I'm seeing... Nova Butler, Arkansas, Tennessee, Bama, LSU, uh, South Carolina, Auburn. I mean, that's just a look ahead W if you're asking me. Um, Kentucky versus Florida. Ooh. I mean, Texas versus Kansas on Saturday at 4 p.m. Oh, baby. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's going to be a good, it's going to be a good weekend, man, because we got some crispy NBA stuff next weekend. A lot of the tough te- top teams are playing each other as well. Um, it's going to be fun. We, I don't want to look ahead too much because we make picks on, on Friday's pod on this podcast, if you guys are new here, but, uh, all in all between the both of us four and three from the weekend, not great, not bad. Um, I went three and one. So, you know, shout out, shout out me, all the people that got me here, my parents, um, my dedication to the craft, (laughs) my degenerate gambling habits. I might, I might go to the casino this week. I've been itching to play some blackjack uh, and ride this hot streak. Michigan State, I went all in on that bet, dude, and it paid off. I, I felt really good about that. I was at a restaurant with a couple friends, and that game was winding down, and I did the pull out your phone and lean it up against the glass of water with the live stream. Got everyone, to. <laughs> everyone got mad at me, and I'm like, no, nah, I got too much money on the line here. Like, I, I got to watch the end of this. They hit the three. I went wild. People in the restaurant were staring at me. I was like, whatever. Got to do it. Love of the craft. Love of the game. What can I say? I'm committed. You, you were the ESPN commercial there. I was. Sure. I, I had to but be. I, I'll say this, dude. I think looking ahead to Thursday and, and the pod that drops on Friday, oof, I think I'm going to go volume, bro. I'm going volume. I like it. I like it. So get ready, guys. I hope, you, I hope you're getting paid this week. Get ready. I mean, hey, if you wrote us this weekend, even though we went five and or four and three, that's still plus money. Still yep. plus money, baby. And, and then the Michigan State upset would have put you in good hands. Same with the Hawks. So uh, watch out. We're coming in hot. Right time of the year to do it. Let's get after it. All right. 
I got a fun quick segment for you, Eric. I'm going to rapid fire some questions at you about your teams. All right. Yeah. Hypotheticals right now. And I got it. I, I need to take. You talked about the Sixers. You talked about John Morant. I want you to put your GM hat on. Okay. All right. No matter what happens this season, next season, next offseason, when you can make some trades, would you trade for John Morant and what would it be for? How many picks? What's the situation look like? Rapid fire, crunch the numbers in your head. Tell me what you're doing. So you're not trading for John Morant because they're never giving him up. I think he's an untouchable asset for Memphis. If it were to be a John Morant trade, and Bede would have to be involved. Like, that's the only way it would get done, and I don't really see a point in doing that because I think Embiid's a better player right now. Um, there's no way they could get him. It, if you were going to get him and try and preserve, like, the Embiid-Harden thing, you'd have to give up, like, Maxi, Thibel, every pick you have the next 10 years, and they still wouldn't do it. I, I think he's an untouchable asset at this point. Got it, got it. Dalvin Cook, put your Vikings hat on now. Yeah. Do you trade him to eat to get some picks? If you're the GM, is it okay? Dalvin might have a year, two years left. Do we try to maybe farm some picks off him, farm some other younger players? Like, what are you doing with Dalvin if you're the GM? How do you play it out? So, this is really tough because. I think this is super interesting, a great hypothetical, because the question is, do you try and move off of that contract before he starts hitting the downturn of his career? And he's a running back, so you don't know what that shelf life is. You got to see how this year goes first, because Madison's gone. He's a free agent, and they're not going to pay to keep him. I like the kid. I think his name's Wang Wu behind them. That's probably not his name. I think it actually might be. I don't remember. He's number 20. He's really, really fast. He's a rookie this year. He had a couple kick return touchdowns. Um, ended up getting some run at the end of the season in passing situations. But Dalvin is a top three running back asset in the league. His contract isn't offensively bad. He's going to make $16 million next year. It's not horrible. It's not good. They are cap-strapped. I think you see how this year goes. If you're able to make the playoffs and compete, then hell no, you hang on to him as an asset. If everything goes wrong and you decide to blow it up, then yeah, it's probably time to move on from that contract and get some picks. But he is the best player on the team at the moment, unless you want to say that's Justin Jefferson. I think that's a valid argument either way, but I wouldn't get rid of him. Um, if you did get rid of him, I think the best you could ask for is like a second and a fifth because he's a running back. Um, and I don't really know who's going to give up more than that for a running back. Word. Uh, last question. If you became the owner of a sports franchise tomorrow, what's the first thing you're doing not related to the sport at all, related to the team? Are you, are you going to be at every practice? Is it mandatory that you play practice? Are you, you know, what's the first thing you're doing if, if you own a, a sports franchise? First thing I'm doing is hiring someone smarter than me to make all of those decisions. I know that's a cop-out answer, but like I would hire, I would research and hire the team president that aligned with my views, which would be heavily analytically driven. 
however, a really strong scouting department. Because I'm assuming wherever I'm buying is a low-value franchise because I'm, it's on the market and I'm buying it. Um, I would hire a president that can make those decisions, that is analytically driven, can hire someone. It depends on the sport. Like if it's the NBA, I don't really care who the coach is because I don't think it matters. But if it's the NFL, someone to run the program, someone to get things on track, can hire a good staff, can hire a good scouting department. I think everything begins and ends with the scouting department in the NFL. So I would just bring someone in that knew more than me and not be necessarily hands-off. Like I want to be there in the room and hear what he has to say, but he has my confidence to deliver on all of that. I'm not going to challenge him on decisions. However, I would like to be kept in the loop so I can evaluate everything as time goes on. Not bad. Not bad. We'll come back with more hypotheticals, you know, in the next few weeks. Hell yeah. Speaking of a hypothetical, could Kyler Murray be leaving the Cardinals? Because we saw another absolute firecracker come out today. Kyler Murray's agent put out a statement from Kyler Murray. All caps, some bold. I'll hit on some points here. Kyler wants to be direct and loyal with the Arizona Cardinals fans, the greater community of the Valley, in stating his two very important goals and objectives. One, he absolutely wants to be your long-term QB. Two, he desperately wants to win the Super Bowl. Awesome, awesome first two points. Then we get into the nitty-gritty. Looking ahead, Kyler believes that in order to consistently compete for a championship and ultimately deliver the Valley their first Super Bowl in 33-plus years, There needs to be a long-term stability for both the organization and himself to overtly communicate Kyler's desire to be the Cardinals' long-term QB. We sent a detailed contract proposal to the organization. It was important to Kyler that his proposal reflected all of the following. Provides financial protection, is in line with the current QB market that compares his results alongside relevant comps, lowers his 2022-2023 salary cap number to allow the Cardinals to re-sign other deserving teammates and add additional free agents, and most importantly, represents a real commitment from the organization to see if their ultimate goals align with his two above. All bold, all caps. Actions speak much louder than words in this volatile business. What the fuck? Didn't his agent write it too? Yeah, it came from his agent. I have some thoughts. First off, why is he writing this to the public? Like, what? what's the PR move here? Like, what? how does this help him? Second, some of those statements contradict each other. Like he wants to restructure his contract for 22, 23 to bring guys back, but then he wants to handcuff them with a contract. So like, how much is that ultimately responsible? Why is he telling all of us this? Why is he putting it out publicly to, I guess, try and save face, but like, come on, dude, what is this bullshit? I remember two weeks ago when we were talking about this, basically said, dude, just, Play and earn your money. You lost in the first round in an embarrassing fashion. You're not in a place to have demands. It's weird because if you look at Lamar 
in comparison. Lamar has basically said, this is what I'm worth. This is my value. If you don't want to pay me for it, I'm going to play even better next year. My value is going to go up. So this is the low watermark. I'll let my game do the talking. Dak did that too. It, that works. This does not work. I've never seen this before. And why doesn't he just say, hey, this is what I think I'm worth. If you don't want to pay me it, I'll see you next offseason. I might resign. I might not. But uh, it's only going to go up from here because I'm going to get better. Why would he say this? Why would he not take that route? I don't get it. It's the new era of, bro, he's, he's our age. He's a social media guy. It's just the, the psyche of people now, man. But can you imagine in like a corporate office, like writing a letter to all your coworkers, like I deserve a raise. I would like this company to be committed to me long-term. And then in turn, I can deliver to them. I'll take a pay cut for next quarter. But then after that, I want to get paid tenfold when I'm paid right now. Like it doesn't make any sense. Like why not just work hard and do better. And then if they don't give you the raise, you can go to free agency on the open market and get that raise. Like it, I don't get this move at all. Ah, it's it's weird, dude. It's like people don't do. Yeah, you're right. People usually just hold out. They don't write letters to the fans. You know, it's such a weird move. And if I'm the Cardinals, I'm really concerned right now. Like I'm really concerned right now. Because if this is the way this guy's gonna lead this team. Is he really the leader you want? Like you have to have some serious questions after this about him as a football player. If anything, this doesn't help his case to get an extension. I think this hurts him. I always wonder about the locker room too. Now all your teammates, I mean, everyone in the city, everyone in the world knows that you're like, you might take a pay cut so they can pay you a lot more and you just want a huge extension. Like, I don't know. I think NFL guys want each other to get their money. So I don't know, but I don't think it's good for the locker room either. It's a bad teammate move. Like you said, a bad leader move. Just go out there and play and show you're worth it. It's like getting a no from your mom and going to ask your dad. It's not a good luck, man. I don't get it. I, I really, I'm now biased because I, I really don't like him. And I don't really know if he's a leader of men, a guy who can deliver you a Super Bowl. We touched on it before the last time we talked about this, but like, look at Tom Brady or Joe Burrow. Yep. Yeah. It's, I don't know how the agent green lights this either. This is not good for him getting paid. Um, weird story moving down to another somewhat shocking story. I saw it coming. Um, Derek Jeter is stepping down as the Marlin CEO would like to clarify. I think he was really fired as the Marlin CEO. I just want to recap some of the decisions he made in 2017. He traded 2017 to 2018, excuse me. He traded JT Ramuto, Kristen Yelich, Giancarlo Stanton, Jose Fernandez passed away. He gutted the entire team of assets essentially to rebuild. And then the rebuild failed and it didn't work. Um, Derek Jeter is, you know, one of my favorite athletes growing up, I think a pretty grossly overrated baseball player, but kind of a dick. And there was the whole saga with Marlins man where like he refused to acknowledge him and his opinion. And then they did this like one day contract for him where he got to like make the lineup card and give it to the ump and all this cool stuff. That seems like a, we fucked up 
and the fans are mad move. Jeter has a lot of those. We fucked up and the fans are mad move. I mean, he fired a scout that was battling cancer at the time because he couldn't come in and do work. He fired both mascots they had just made before he got there. He took away the iconic home run statue of the Dolphins from center field or the Marlins, excuse me, whatever they are. I really couldn't tell. It was the ugliest statue ever, but it was unique at least. He stripped the entirety of the team uh, and their identity and tried to rebuild it as a corporate shill and it didn't work. And now he's gone and it's another failure for Jeter. I don't know if we see him back involved in baseball anytime soon. The fact that you said he traded Yelich and Stanton, <laughs> that's tough to have on your resume. That's really tough. I mean, he wanted to gut the whole team, man. I, I don't get it. I really don't get it. It had to be his. I don't know. I don't want to psychoanalyze him, but whatever. Irrelevant. <laughs> I mean, it's shocking almost, man. I, I can't believe he did it. Like, I, I can't believe he, he just gave up. Like, he just was like, I'm out, dude. Um, they had traded Yelich, Giancarlo Stanton, Marcelo Zuna, and D. Gordon. Uh, like, how does he get rid of all of those guys in that short of span? And then he gets rid of retail, retail, Real Muto. He goes to Phillies for scraps, essentially. I, he blew up this team to rebuild it and then dipped out when things got hard. It, it's kind of shocking. I, I, a, G, a tough five years for Jeter, man. I mean, he, yeah, he wasn't doing hot at any point, so. No, and now that there's all these defensive advanced metrics that rank him as the worst defensive shortstop or worst defensive player in the history of baseball, like his legacy's taken a little bit of a hit as a player too. I still love him. Still think he was an all-time great um, just by like the eye test. But he was, he was a horrible defensive player. It's tough. It's a tough look for him. I was more of an A-Rod guy myself, but follow-up question then. Last five years, you'd rather be A-Rod or Jeter. <sighs> Fuck. You did have J-Lo, but you don't need more. You're A-Rod, you're a cheater, a liar, an overall like piece of shit. But you had J-Lo, you had a CNBC show, you had the Corp on, on Barstool. I'd probably rather be A-Rod. Fuck it, I feel like he kind of came, I mean, he'll never be in the Hall of Fame, but I feel like he kind of came out of that, the steroid stuff, fine. Like, yeah, I'd, fuck yeah, I'd rather be A-Rod. I'd never, I'd never rather be A-Rod. Uh, I'll J-Lo, still rather be Jeter. J-Lo? Yeah. Do you know how many women Derek Jeter had in his heyday, man? He was just like a celebrity dating reel. You know, he used to give women gift bags with like signed Yankees memorabilia and like t-shirts and like soaps Epic. and stuff after he slept with them. Yeah, I mean, but it looks like J-Rod and or <laughs> A-Rod and J-Lo looked like they were, uh, you know, pretty happy together. That's that's pretty good. Yeah. He had a good few years with her. I mean, there was that weird story that J-Lo and Ben Affleck went to an island to vacation and A-Rod drove a jet ski around the island for like a day. <laughs> so like i don't know that's a pretty tough look i think a rod's pretty pretty fucking cringe <sighs> not really that big of a change for me so 
Yeah. It's okay. That's fair. <laughs> um, apparently, well, the Orioles are going hard after, uh, or were going hard after Carlos Correa, and will resume doing that when free agency inevitably resumes at some point. So I don't know why he would sign there, but that's a note. Yeah, I don't think there's hope for him in the near future. But No, they haven't won 60 games since 2017. God, that, that's tough. That's tough for my grandpa. Greatest ballpark in baseball, though. That it is. Baltimore, Great. Maryland, baby. Camden Yards, go down to the waterfront, hit the aquarium, maybe go to Dick's Last Resort, the Hard Rock Cafe, you know, have a, have a full tourist experience. Uh, Inner Harbor down there is, is a great place to be. Oh, I've, I've done it many times. You can take the light rail if you want at, at Timonium. Now, now I'm giving away too many tips and tricks. They got a sea turtle that's missing a flipper, but it's like the biggest sea turtle you've ever seen. It's pretty awesome. Can't miss. I think sea turtles have flippers, right? They're called flippers. I don't know why the fuck I'm asking you this. Um, uh, I mean, do you know? Flippers, flippers are what you wear on your feet. So it might, I guess it wouldn't be a fin. Yeah, it has to be a flipper. Do turtles have flippers or fins? Here we go. Turtles do not have fins. Ba, 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 ba. They have webbed feet. They have flippers. So it is flippers. I was yeah. right. This is riveting podcasting right now. I mean, that's just IQ, Eric. That's just, it's just guessing IQ. Um, <laughs> moving on from sea turtles and flippers, the last thing I want to hit on. Islam Makachev won again on Saturday night. He was supposed to fight Dariush. Dariush has a knee injury. Islam's ranked four as a contender. Dariush was ranked three. Everyone was really excited for this fight, thinking they're next in line after Gaethje to get a shot at the belt. Didn't happen. He fought Bobby Green, who just fought three weeks ago. He stepped in on short notice. It was a minute and 35-second fight. Islam absolutely destroyed him. It was never close for a second pure domination the top guys in this division got to stop ducking this dude it's time the time's now you can't duck him anymore he's here he's going to capture the belt there's no one that can fight him i stand by that and he's gonna win it and he's got habib in the corner and i'm sure if the fight's big enough and he's headlining hasbala will be there again as well uh we love to see that but uh i don't know if you caught the fight night on saturday but he was unstoppable yeah, first off, I'm I think I'm out on Hasbullah. I mean, I still like him, but what? I'm I'm a little burnt out on him, dude. I, I hate to say it. I hate to say it, man, but that's tough. That's a tough look. It is. It's tough for it. me, man. You, you think yeah. I want to be out on Hasbullah, dude? No, I, I get the overexposure. He is everywhere now, though. Bro, he's all over my YouTube little little clips that are on it, man. It's tough, but um, I like Bobby Green coming into this. Um. I, well, I, I didn't like him to win, but like I saw his press conference before the fight. Really likable guy. Oh and yeah, like like he was one ninety five and he had to cut down the one sixty in ten days. Yeah, I know. What do you expect? He was like plus six hundred to win. It just wasn't going to happen. Yeah, again, I'm not blaming Bobby Green. I'm just saying it's kind of fucked up. The UFC would even throw him in with Islam, but uh, they couldn't find anybody else. It. Islam's a problem, and it, it, it's time he's gonna get a get a real deal fight. Um, and yeah, it better I mean, it better it better not fucking be Michael Chandler. Dana, do not do that. Do not do that. Give this guy a chance. Like Gaethje's gonna fight Oliveira, and that's gonna decide the belt. 
And then Islam gets the next one after that. That's just the way it has to be. And because he's not, Poirier is not going to fight Islam. He doesn't have no interest in that. Why would he do that at this stage in his career? Uh, I don't know. When did his supposed to be opponent get hurt? It was like 10 days out. Yeah, Dariush, and I'm going to look it up. I mean, if that's the fact, then I don't really blame really any of the other guys for not taking it. Like, the UFC was fucked. I think he's going to still fight Dariush because, you know, Islam's really good, but Dariush is kind of overlooked in that division. He's won some big fights. Um, It looks like Benil Dariush is going to be back sometime in the next couple months. And it, I'm sure that him and Islam are still going to fight each other. I, and I think that's the best pre-title fight if you're not going to give Islam a shot at it. Him and Dariush is great. Um, Dariush broke his leg, though, so we're going to have to see. How much do you think uh, Bobby Green got paid? 10 days oh, notice. Bag. They dropped a bag. To throw him into the Wolves against Islam Akhachev? Uh, they threw a bag at him, dude. They had like five mil? No, 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 dude. These guys get paid like twenty five grand for these fights. They don't. They don't get paid shit. Yeah, you got to win the stepping, fight bonus. No, I'm not stepping in the ring if it's not against that guy on ten days notice. Like, all right, like, he, he had all the leverage though. He told Dana he was like, "All right, who did you call before me? I know I'm not the first guy. Okay, it seems like you're hurting. You better pay me then." Yeah, That's I mean, all. maybe he got a hundred k, but I doubt that even. Like, the the guys that get paid the most. Uh, like McGregor, but even that's a that's a pay-per-view deal. Like he gets some of the pay-per-view buys. His base is still even a guy like McGregor, probably like 450k for a fight. It says I'm looking at an article right now. Fighters in Saturday's UFC Fight Night 202 event promotional guidelines compliance pay totaling 138,000. And then it says the payouts included Islam thousand. Bobby Green got 20 for the fight. You're okay. telling me he got paid $158,000? I mean, that, that's a lot, but I would have – I said five mil. Yeah, no, it's not even close to that, brother. And, and it's a fight night, which means they get paid less. It's not like a UFC event. They do these in uh, the Apex in Vegas, which is yeah. essentially a hotel ballroom. Um, dude, I'm sure dude. for – if you're headlining a main event, you're getting closer – somewhere closer to a million dollars, I guess. No, wait. I think that's the 138,000 is like how much everyone got paid. Yeah. That's what I'm telling you. What? Yeah. No, these guys make like 25, 30 K for these uh, fight nights. How did Islam only make 11,000? How do you pay your coaches? That's what doesn't make sense to me. Islam is Habib's his coach. Yeah. But like Bobby green, like, I I mean, he has a decent contender, but like, how are you paying your coaches with, I mean, I guess he did fight two weeks earlier, too. But, dude, you got to give me more than 20K to step in that ring. No way. Listen, man, that's kind of the complaint about the UFC going around. And it's why Nganu kind of has a point. And I think Nganu's taking up the fight for guys below him, too. Because on these fight night cards, you're making 20K. And if you don't get the bonus, that's all you're making. You get your no, ass dude, kicked. Dude. You're not getting the bonus. So Some of these guys are getting... 6k both of them four thousand four thousand dollars was the lowest amount like the first guys that fought yeah four, four the grand dudes. dudes dude that's not enough that's no bad. That's I, bad. and with how much they make it's tough 
and you know, I'm not going to act like I understand the economics of the UFC because I don't, but if you're mainlining a fight night and you're only making 20 K each, that's a problem. <laughs> Dude, that is, I didn't know it was that bad. That's awful. This is, this is like Rocky, but that's when he's not, only getting paid $13. Like, yeah, that's not indicative of like UFC 270. They were, they were at least making 50 K each a fighter on the main card for that. So it, it's a little bit more, but you got to remember, I guess it isn't taxed because they're based in Vegas. I really don't know how any of that works. Um, I don't know if you're filling out a 1099 for that. I don't know what you're doing, but yeah. Okay, I know this isn't the most riveting podcast stuff, but if you didn't know, now you know. Like, oh, that's mm. and 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 they parade around Conor McGregor like he's the highest paid guy when it's really his whiskey. He made a hundred million dollars. Meanwhile, dudes that are punching each other in the face are only making four thousand dollars. Like, that's bad. That's bad. But oh my god, that pisses me off. We're gonna have to keep track of this, man. Um as time goes on here and, and try and report on what the UFC is actually paying these guys. Now the fight bonuses, Dana will sometimes just go, yeah, I'm giving this guy hundred K it's bonus, which tells me they have enough money. So hopefully these guys can start making more. I'm really not sure. I mean, yeah. Granted it's, but it's not like I was about to say it's one day and you get paid all that money, but you're in there for weeks training. Like you may have three fight camps, throughout a year and you got to pay all those guys pay your gym oh my god to get to get and remember you can't get individual sponsors during the event everyone wears venom gear all the sponsors are predetermined and that pool of money is split amongst the fighters you can't wear your own gear into it um which is another ethical issue the ufc has yeah i agree i agree and so here we go so this is some stuff conor mcgregor when he lost to Khabib, his base salary was three mil. However, his pay-per-view points allowed him to make almost 50. Yeah. I mean, but not the everyone dis- gets the pay-per-view points. Yeah. Connor does. The disparity, though, from the guy who's the first fight on ESPN is making four grand. And if you're the in all of, in all in the whole sport, you can make $53 million. Wow. Yeah. The gap there. I mean, that's the way they, they advertise it as you can individually market yourself, but in reality, you really can't. It's kind of fucked up. Yeah. The fight the, the matchmakers have to put you on the card. It's crazy. Yeah, and, and then Dana hides behind the fact that UFC is now owned in part by ESPN, so we can't release the pay-per-view numbers because it's a publicly traded company. Yeah. No, it's all super complicated. All right. it's I'll get off my soapbox. No, you're oh, right. I mean, you're right. You're right. I love the UFC as a product, but there are some ethical flaws in the way that the money is exchanged and managed. Yeah. Well, this weekend, we got a big UFC fight coming up. <laughs> yeah, we do. Uh, uh, who is it? Why am I blanking on it? It's Colby Covington. Yep. Jorge Masvidal. Yep. Oh, my God. I've been watching all of the promotional stuff for this. I can't wait for Friday's pod to talk about it. Yep. UFC 272, the main card, Greg Hardy's on it. And then other than that, Rafael Dos Anjos fights. Cool. 
it too. It, it's really just Colby Covington, Jorge, Jorge Masvidal, but that's going to be a fight that everyone should tune in for. God, I hope Colby Covington gets his ass kicked. He's such a douche. Oh, well, I'm, I'm right on the other side of you, man. I'm rooting for him. I, he's such a douchebag. He's such a douchebag. Like, is there a bigger douchebag in sports? That's a legitimate argument. He's got your emotions tied into it, man. He did what he's supposed to do. He has you wanting to watch to see his face get, get beaten in. Whether you buy the pay-per-view or you stream it illegally, he still has you watching. Obviously, he wants you to buy the pay-per-view, but... Yeah, but I mean, like, Ben Askren... He has a $25 million bag, just like McGregor. Yeah, but I mean, Ben Askren did that, and Ben Askren never, like, denounced other races of people and spewed hate speech that people could use to galvanize their hatred. <sighs> Yeah, he's a wrestling heel, but, like, Hulk Hogan never talked like that. The Rock, when he was the corporate shill, never talked like that. You know, you don't... The Brazil thing? Is that what you're talking about? Everything. The fact that he ripped on Brazil. The fact that he said Jorge Masvidal is a second-class citizen because he's Hispanic. The Trump had at the press conferences and taking on that persona. The whole, like, when the, when the woman was speaking Japanese to him at the press conference and he was like, learn English or get out of my press conference. No way. Yeah. Dude, he's an absolute piece of shit. He he accused Usman of juicing. He um uh, made fun of Usman's African heritage as well. Like he's really fucked up. <laughs> he also like guy. said some shit about Usman's dad and like I don't know. I it, I will say I will say the, the post-Brazil press conference, and listen, I don't know Colby Covington. I'm not his friend. I'm not defending him. The Brazil comments, I mean, it, Brazil's a dump. Like, what? Like, I don't know. He's just talking shit. Yeah, that's the, not the worst thing that he's the, done. The I, Usman I would... thing talking about, like, bed sheets, I, I didn't really like that. Um, the way he talked about Dustin I like Dustin Poirier. Yeah. The way he's talking about using his kid as a prop, that's out of line. Yes, it is out of line. So, um, like, don't get me wrong. I wouldn't say I'm usually a contrarian type of guy. I kind of like the heels. I like Masvidal, too. But I think I'm going to fight pull for Colby in this one. I mean, he's minus 320. I'm not going to bet on him because that's just not enough juice for me. I might even put money on Masvidal just as yeah. an edge. I mean, listen, the only way that Masvidal wins this fight is because they used to be roommates and – Colby Covington has been so disrespectful to Masvidal at this point that he hates him. And Masvidal's over the hill. Like, he did not look good when he fought Usman. But we'll see. I, Colby Covington's a really good fighter. So he gave Usman a run for his money in that last fight. We'll, we'll see what happens. I think Covington wins, but if Masvidal wins, I'm going to put money on that and be very excited. Looking ahead, Friday we'll have Finney's betting corner. I'm sure we'll hit on some NBA, some college basketball. We have a new segment that we're going to unveil. Uh, so get ready for that. And we'll ride you into the weekend with some bets you can hit and some storylines to follow. Hell yeah. I'm ready, dude. I'm so excited. The, the, the next few weeks, college basketball, March Madness, the fights, NBA, so much. It's going to be so fun. Can't wait to get some of our friends on here too. Some good correspondence. It'll be It'll be good. Hell yeah. And uh, we'll have the studio up and running soon. So maybe there'll be some March Madness content from the studio. Who knows? 
This has been the Victory Formation Podcast. Have a great and safe rest of your week, guys, and we will see y'all on Friday. I keep that thing on me. God damn it, Bobby. They see me selling propane and now they trying to copy. Pretend to be broke, but I got hella cash. If you use charcoal, I'ma kick your ass. Made this money from propane, bitch. I feel like Pablo Escobar, but I don't sell cocaine, bitch. Shot that fella cause he didn't make his payments. Fuck with me, I keep a rocket launcher in my basement. Made this money from propane, bitch I feel like Pablo Escobar, but I don't sell cocaine, bitch Shot that fella cause he didn't make his payments Fuck with me, I keep a rocket launcher in my basement That's my purse, I don't know you If you running up, then I pull out this 32 Bitch, he's big, Bobby spitting heat in the stew I got rats on rats, and you ain't got a clue God damn it, Bobby. Shut the fuck up. When I'm on the block, bitch, I fucking shit. Oh man, god damn. Bitch, I'm pulling out, painting clouds on my walls. Better go kick my dad in the balls. Made this money from propane, bitch. I feel like Pablo Escobar, but I don't sell cocaine, bitch. Shot that fella cause he didn't make his payments. Fuck with me, I keep a rocket launcher in my basement. Made this money from propane, bitch I feel like Pablo Escobar, but I don't sell cocaine, bitch Shot that fella cause he didn't make his payments Fuck with me, I keep a rocket launcher in my basement Oh man, goddamn Bobby, I know you were capping the whole time, boy I know you get no bitches and no hoes and no paper, no bands, boy All you do is sit in the fucking basement all day and play World of Warcraft with your bitch ass Jerking off to hentai all day with your ugly ass, man Bobby, you need to go get a fucking job or something, man I'm about to kick you out of the house,